0: Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Today was Isabel's first Sunday leading. Let's give God some praise for leadership today. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, thanks for coming out, and welcome to those worshiping with us online. My name is Dennis, and today we wrap up our three-week teaching series entitled, Life in the Slow Lane, and I pray that it's been a blessing to you. In fact, we have heard back from many of you throughout the last couple weeks how this has met a felt need. And so I just wanna thank the whole team and all the work to make this series what it's been of course, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you missed any of these teachings, I want to invite you to go back to our YouTube channel and you can uh, catch up and continue to grow as we learn what it means to work and what it means to rest in God. Now, last Sunday, I began by asking you how many hours that you slept last night. And some of you were very, very tired. Now, last week we talked about rest, we talked about Sabbath, so I'm just assuming that you did pretty good this week, that you're all caught up on all of your sleep. You've got a good night's rest last night, right? How many woke up this morning and you said, I'm so alive this morning, I thought about plugging in the coffee pot, but it would just be like pouring kerosene on a fire, and so I realized I didn't need my Jolta Java. How many would say that you're wide awake and ready to go this morning? Okay. Uh, okay, there's about, about 20 or 30 of you today. That's good. That's better than the first service. Yeah. How many are still a little bit tired? Come on, this is confession to your pastor. Yeah, look around a lot. Maybe you feel like the guy I saw in a photo this week. Check this guy out, <laughs> or gal, actually. Uh, at least uh, she's able to get one shoe on. Now, I really like this photo of this young man. (laughs) Now, I'm going to tell you right now that I'd hire that guy because he's good at multitasking, all right? (laughs) Here's what I know. Some of us are running on empty these days, and you cannot give what you don't have. Say with me, I cannot give what I don't have. I have to take in in order to give out. In fact, if I just keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, if I keep driving and driving and driving and driving and driving, and I never put fuel in the tank, after a while, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's what happened to Pastor Dennis this week on I-70 because my fuel gauge was broken down If you don't put any fuel in the tank, you're going to end up on the side of the road, or worse off, you're going to be in the ditch, okay? But one day, Jesus came to a bunch of weary, burnout followers, and he looked at them. His words are recorded in Matthew chapter 11, and he said this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he went on to say this in the next verse, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So who better to teach us than Jesus? Jesus said, come to me. And Jesus said, learn from me. Come, learn. Jesus is our Savior, Jesus is our Lord, Jesus is also our teacher and our example. And so no better person to look to, to develop rhythms in our lives, healthy rhythms, because Jesus was able to live out this perfect balance of work and rest. Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church several years ago, gave me three little phrases. He said, when you look at Jesus' life, especially in the last three years, we see how he lived out this work and rest. And he lived out these three ways to avoid burnout. And that is divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. And so over the last few years, I've been trying to practice This And I wanna encourage you, write those three phrases down. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Meaning that each one of us makes a decision of how we're gonna handle our time. All of us have the same amount of time in our lives, in our day. And so we are encouraged to divert daily. We go through the day giving, putting out, serving. And yet, as we do that, there are times that we need to take in to refuel, right? Again, if we're always giving, 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 we're going to run out of gas. And so, let us find, even in a day, as we are giving, as we are working, moments where we can have little refreshers, where we can have mini Sabbaths. It may be simply taking a walk during your lunch hour where you get your mind off of what you've done in the morning, what you're gonna do in the afternoon. Maybe it is uh, reading a book. Maybe if you're able, taking a little mini nap, a little power nap. Maybe it's uh, walking the dog when you get home where you just kind of unwind that way. Maybe it's at night after a very busy day there's a television series that you really enjoy and it's a way just to kind of escape where you find life because all of life is about giving but it's also about receiving. What is it that refuels your soul? Find ways to out the day in the midst of working, in the midst of serving where you take in, even if it's for a few moments, divert daily. Secondly, we are to withdraw weekly. And that's that principle of Sabbath. That's what we talked about last week, that we are commanded actually, that we are to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, that we are to work when we're at work, but then we are also to take a day where we unplug the treadmill, where we detach, where we rest, and where we are refreshed. Deuteronomy chapter 31 that we referred to two weeks ago said, on the seventh day, God rested and was refreshed. And so weekly, we take a day other than the other days in which we rest. And third, annually, we abandon. Carve out one week, maybe two, where you just kind of escape. That you just do something different. You you learn a new trade. You study something new, or you go somewhere to the mountains, to the beach, or wherever it might be. Jesus practiced this. Of course, early in his ministry, he withdrew to the wilderness, but then we also see times where he escaped to the mountains, which we will look at here in a little bit. Now, as we think about diverting daily, withdrawing weekly, abandoning annually, some of you are saying, yeah, that sounds good, Pastor. I wish I could have that kind of rhythm in my life. I wish I could have that kind of schedule, but it's easy maybe you to say, but I'm a mother. I can't just do those things. I'm a father, I've got responsibilities. Let me remind you of a woman by the name of Suzanne Wesley. Susanna so you know, Wesley is the mother of Methodism, the mother of John and Charles Wesley. Did you know that Susanna Wesley had 19 children? <laughs> And at one point, she had 11 in the home. You talk about a busy household, right? And yet, Susanna Wesley had a wonderful practice. She made quiet time with the Lord a priority. When she could not leave the home because of her duties with the children, she would find a quiet corner of the manse of the parsonage, where she would sit down and she would literally take her apron and put it over her head. Can you see this image? To create a little inner sanctuary where it just be her and the Lord. And she taught her kids, when mom has that apron over her head, this was quiet time. This was the time she was speaking to the Lord. This was the time of saying the Lord's Prayer. And she was not disturbing. The kids quickly learned this from their mother. Sisters and brothers, if we're not careful, workaholism can lead to a premature death. In fact, that's just not from Pastor Dennis. That's the Bible story. Acts chapter 20, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20. We see the apostle Paul is preaching in Greece and he is getting ready to leave the city that he's in. And so he's just pouring out his heart. He has so much to teach them, so much to say to them that he wants to make sure that he gets it all in. And so he preaches really long. He preaches into the night. And the sermon, Luke actually says this, goes on and on. Can any of you identify with that? Have you ever had a preacher go on and on and on? And Pastor Dennis is on and on and on and on, right? How many here love sermons that go on and on and on. I think I got a half best friend over there. That's one person, right? Rachel has told me once, Dennis, regarding my sermons, you've never preached a bad short sermon before. Let that sink in a little bit. The text goes, he spoke on and on and on. And there was a young man named Eutychus who was sitting in the upstairs windowsill. I love that image. I can see one of our teens of all the places in the worship center they'd be sitting would be in the windowsill. Probably one of the best places to sit, actually, if it was hot, especially if this was upstairs, because that's where the breeze would be. And he's perhaps straddling the windowsill. And the Bible says, as Paul preached on and on, Eutychus got very sleepy. How many have heard this story before? This is kind of a story that's newer. Others, you well, you know, there's a lot of good stories in this Bible. You got to read it. It's very interesting. He fell asleep. And the Bible says he fell asleep and he fell out of the window to the ground to his death. Let that be a re- warning to you. The only place that I know of a guy who fell asleep in church and look what happened to him. Now, you can say a lot about Pastor Miller's preaching, but one thing you have to admit is so far I haven't killed anybody (laughs) with it, at least as far as I know, right? So I have good news and bad news about this awesome Bible story. The good news is that Paul went down and he prayed and Eutychus was raised from the dead. He came back to life. That's the good news. The bad news is that it says that Paul went back into the room and he continued to preach all the way to morning (laughs) as if maybe he didn't get the picture, right? Now, there's things that we don't know about this story. What we don't know about Eutychus, this young man, is how really old he was. We don't know if he was a factory worker, he was a farmer, or he was something else, a fisherman, We don't know if he was a college student that had been putting in a lot of all-nighters or not studying. We don't know if he was a young dad who was staying up late because he was changing diapers or perhaps helping with feeding. We just don't know. But what we do know is that his tiredness killed him. We do know that. There's a mindset that we need to adopt. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. I will live slower, so I can live longer. Or in the words of the Shakespeare wannabe, better to have loafed and lost than never to have loafed at all. (laughs) Jesus said, come to me. Jesus said, learn from me. Jesus is the model. So let's look at Jesus. How should we balance Busyness and rest. How, if we're a type A personality, always on the go, always gotta be doing something, how do we continue to be effective but then also lead a life that will refuel us and refresh us? Look at Mark chapter six, verse 31. It says this. Because so many people were coming and going, they did not have even chance to eat he said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. And so when we look at that, we remember the story where people were flocking the multitudes to Jesus. So many needs, so many people need to be fed, so many people need to be healed. But Jesus took a moment and he said to his disciples, now I want you to come apart lest you come apart. I want you to come with me. We're going to get away from all the multitudes for a moment and we're going to get some rest. If anyone had a reason to be a workaholic, I mean, Jesus was saving the world, right? It would have been Jesus. Think about the ego story that one could have. All these people needing his attention. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need. Would have been Jesus. Look, another passage, Mark chapter one, verse 35. We read this. In the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went to a deserted place. And he prayed, Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So you get the picture? There's all this need all around. People are looking for Jesus. They can't find him. He's off with the father praying. Finally, Peter sees him, and said, where you've been? Why don't you have your cell phone on? I've been texting you for hours. Don't you know there's some need here? People are saying they need you. Don't you care? Have you heard that before? There are people that give you life, and there are people that take life from you. You know what I'm talking about? You have been around a person and you can't get enough of them? Every time that you're around them, you're energized, you're refreshed, you're renewed. You wanna spend more time with them. But there are other people, they walk into the room, you're wanting to walk the other way. Now you never say that because you're a sanctified believer, right? <laughs> but you just know it's gonna be life draining. Jesus had those kind of people too. One older movie that has uh, really touched me over the years, is the old movie starring Bill Murray called What About Bob? (laughs) Bob was a person in need, and he found counseling, and he just clinged on to the counseling. And this whole movie, if you watch it, is a spiral into insanity for the counselor. (laughs) Check this scene out. As he follows the counselor. Well, then let's have a little talk. Bob. I do not see patients on vacation, ever. How many ways can I make that clear? Now, what I'd like you to do is to get on this bus and go back to New York. I can't, I'm totally paralyzed, I'm all locked up. You got yourself here. Barely. Getting back will be therapeutic. But can't we just have a little talk? Bob, you are testing my patience. Come on, I've come so far. Bob, I'm baby-stepping. I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm baby-stepping. I'm not a slacker. Listen to me. Check Listen. it out. Look at I'm in really bad shape. Come on, please. Bob, please, Bob. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I Bob, need, Bob. I need, I this, need. Bob. Give me, give me. Okay, okay. please. All right, all right, please. all right. <laughs> we could go on and we'll stop right there. I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. Give me, give me, give me. There are people in our lives that drain us. Jesus had those people too. But Jesus said, I'm not going to live my life that way. Jesus said no to 24-7 nonstop accessibility. Now, this may be a big wake-up call for some of us here today, because the reason why some of us struggle with saying no is because we think that we would be unloving. If we really cared, and some people are very good at manipulating guilt, if you really cared about me, don't you love Jesus? Now, I said Jesus is the model. This is, this is a take-home here, gang. This might be an aha moment. Jesus was the incarnation of love in human form. No greater person than Jesus, according to our faith. And yet Jesus, at times, said no to people in order to say yes to the Heavenly Father. (laughs) Jesus at times, now Jesus saved the world. I had to say to one of our pastoral care pastors when I served years ago at another church. What cross did you die on? There's only one Messiah and that's Jesus. And his grace is sufficient. You don't have to be a martyr, that's not your calling. Jesus is enough. And Jesus said no at times in order to say yes to something greater. I think sometimes we wear this martyrdom on our sleeve as if fatigue is next to godliness. Listen, I said a couple weeks ago, the surest way not to give 100% is to try to do it all the time. You're no good if your car is broken down on the side of the road, you're not gonna go very far. Yet I remember the story of a grumpy pastor who was preaching to his congregation on his dedication, trying to spur the other people on, saying they need to be more committed. And he said, you know, I never take a day off because the devil never takes a day off. And one person in the congregation shouted out, well, that's because the devil's a loser. Don't be like him. That went right over his head. And so Boastley said, I just want you to know that I'm so committed I haven't taken a vacation in 10 years. And someone else said, yeah, we can tell. <laughs> Nobody wants to be around you you're miserable. And so how are we doing, folks? Do we understand boundaries? Do we understand balance? Jesus said no at times in order to say yes. He traded in good for great. Years ago, Chicago Sun-Times asked Cardinal Francis George, who at the time was serving as the Archbishop of Chicago, the Roman Catholic Church, if he would write an article on why it's important and spiritual to take vacations. And I love what he said. He said this, vacations alter the rhythm of life. Why alter the rhythm of life? Now listen, to be in touch with things your ordinary life hides from you. Vacations are an escape from the habits of the regular life. Habits dictated by responsibilities which we embrace but which can also be very deadening. Then he says this, I like to go fishing. Not so much to catch fish as to be in the middle of the lake, away from the phones, the letters, the newspapers. So what about you? I want to encourage you as your pastor this summer to lead a life of simplicity. I want to encourage you to divert daily, to find many Sabbaths within each day. I wanna encourage you to withdraw weekly, to take a day out of the seven, to rest in God and be refreshed. And I wanna encourage you to abandon annually. Now, it doesn't have to be a trip to Hawaii, or Myrtle Beach, or Florida, or the Rocky Mountains, All that would be nice for some. It could just be a staycation. It could be a time where you just do something different than the norm. That you learn a new hobby. You learn something new. You read a new book. But you allow your mind to leave the norm. To go into a sacred place. To listen to what God is saying. Friends, I want to encourage you to hear these words from the Lord one more time. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In the middle of my message this morning, I said about my wife, Rachel, that she's never heard a bad, short sermon. Hallelujah. (laughs) All I got to say is, neither have I. That's why I'm done. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we are human beings, not human doings. You've created us to rest in you. I thank you that you're doing a pretty good job holding the universe together. That We don't have to have the weight of the world on our shoulders. And so we release all those burdens to you. And we rest in your love today. Fill us with hope that we might truly be a light and a caregiver In Jesus' name to the world. For that's what we pray. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosberg.org.